Good morning. Welcome to Northminster, all of you present in this sanctuary, and, and of course those of you joining us now or possibly later throughout our video streaming on YouTube. Your presence is very important to us, and if you're sitting in an aisle seat, please take the small black folder uh, in the hymnal carrier there and sign in and pass it on to others on your row so we'll have a record of your attendance. Today, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Daryl Cluck back into our pulpit. As we all love Daryl, and I'm so appreciative of Daryl and how he has helped us out so many times and will continue to help us out <laughs> in the next few weeks to come. We also uh, welcome Dr. Julian Jones uh, to our piano today. Um, Justin Havard, our regular pianist, is on some gig in Orlando, or several <laughs> gigs, I understand. <laughs> but we certainly appreciate Julian. He comes almost at call. <laughs> so be sure you tell him how much we appreciate him. We want to remember D.H. and Craig in Cuba visiting our sister church at Ciego Diabla. Um, they left this past Wednesday, I believe, and they'll be back this coming Wednesday. Um, and if those of you that weren't here last Sunday, you may know that we now have a new pastor, Reverend Jillian Hankammer, and she will be joining us um, on the 31st of July, moving here to Monroe. She is currently in Pennsylvania at a ch her church there, but uh, we are so fortunate, and if you missed last week, uh, you missed a good thing seeing her. Other announcements and prayer concerns can be found in the insert in your order of worship. So look at those and see what other opportunities are available along with missions and prayer concerns and all that. So join us now in worship, please. Reverend Handcamper, Hamper, uh, Handcamper, left her sermon uh, from last Sunday. I got up here and started to go to it, you know, and then realized that wasn't mine. <laughs> but the first sermon, I think, will be found in your uh, hymnal. If you'll turn to that first hymn, 379, there's a story that needs to be told, not only for this church, but I guess every church. If you look at the bottom in the italics, the bottom of the hymn, you'll see a story there of a church in New England where the choir refused to sing because of a disagreement in the church. The choir said, we're just not going to sing. We disagree, we're having problems, we're not going to sing to them. So the pastor said, well, choir, would you please lead us in this second verse of the hymn, Come We Who Love God's Name? The choir looked at the verse, let those who refuse to sing who never knew our God, but we our thanks and praise will bring for love so deep and broad, the choir decided to sing. And we can all sing of God's grace and love and mercy. Let us worship God. May God be gracious to us and bless us. That your way may be known upon earth. Your saving power among all the nations. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God.
A reading from Revelation, an account by John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God dwells with them. They are God's peoples, and God will be with them and be their God. Every tear will be wiped from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then the one said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. The word of God to the churches. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God of grace most amazing, of love so enduring, of tender mercy constantly comforting, we lift up our needs and the needs of the world to you. O God, in this time of wars and rumors of war, bring more than rumors of peace, bring true lasting peace. To those at war with themselves or with others around them, bring the peace of understanding and acceptance. To those who are at war with their own bodies and the hidden enemies of infirmity, bring them healing mercies and restorative wholeness. O Lord, you've got the whole world in your hands. We trust ourselves, those we love, the whole world to those strong, calloused, love-scarred hands. Amen.
Hear now the reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born, while I was in my mother's womb, God named me. The Lord made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of God's hand, I was hidden. God made me a polished arrow in the quiver of the Lord. I was hidden away. God said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to God. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. The Lord said, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, and my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, the Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slaves of rulers, kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall be prostrate themselves before you, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. The word of the Lord. As you read the Old Testament, have you ever wondered, why does God go to all the trouble? Why does God go to all the trouble to rescue, redeem, preserve Israel? I know they're God's people, but Israel is a lot of trouble. Why does God go through all the trouble to save Israel? Salvation is hard work. Hard work on God. Now you may say, we're not saved by works. We certainly are. By the works of God, that is. You see, God chose Israel from the midst of oppression, delivered them from slavery, but did not stop with the Red Sea rescue. God kept delivering, in other words, saving Israel. The Old Testament is the record of God's relentless redemption. Israel continually blows it, turns from God, heads down the tubes. But God never lets them go all the way down the tubes. God delivers, maybe just in the nick of time, maybe just a remnant, but God will not let the people of God destroy themselves utterly. Some, albeit small semblance of God's people, has been left to try again and again to keep God's story going. But why? Why is God so tenacious? Why does God hang on to such a sorry bunch of sinners like we meet in the Bible? Why has God never been able to bring, break that strange habit even to this day? to this bunch of sinners. Why is God always hung on to God's people no matter what, no matter how rebellious or cantankerous or ornery we may be? Why does God go to all the trouble to save me? Why does God go through all the trouble to save you? God wouldn't need to work so hard to destroy us. All God would need to do is allow our sins to have their logical consequences. Just allow us to get what we've got coming to us. Let all the hate we put out come back on us. Let all the hurt we dish out 
come back to us. Let the cracks we make in creation continue to run until they rip our world open and swallow us all. God could merely let us live with no forgiveness, no second chances, no newness of life, no help from above, no love. It would be easy on God to let us destroy ourselves, but to save us, transform us, restrain, redeem, remold, remake, reform us? That takes so much work on God's part. Why, why, why? The text this morning gives us a rather startling reply to that question. Now we would expect the reason for God going to all the trouble to be lodged in how much God loves us. God just loves Israel too much. God just loves you too much. God just loves me, especially me, too much. But the text gives another reason entirely. In fact, the verse 6 of Isaiah 49 may be the pivotal passage in all the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord, it is too light a thing. You should be my servant to raise up Israel and restore the remnant. What? Too light a thing to save Israel? Too light a thing salvation? Too light a thing redemption? Imagine these words sending a chill up Israel's spine. They were spoken to a people who had already lost everything. New in Babylonian exile after the destruction of their nation. God finally breaks the silence just to tell them that to save them from exile in an enemy land, to redeem them from destruction, to reclaim, renew, restore them, is too light a thing. In the original Hebrew, it reads, no big deal. <laughs> Israel's salvation is no big deal. Israel's salvation is not God's ultimate purpose. Israel's salvation is not God's highest priority. Now how could God be so cruel and callous? God's not. God cares about Israel immensely and intensely, but Israel is not the reason Israel is saved. The purpose of God's redemptive work is not Israel's salvation. Israel is saved for a purpose higher than themselves. Israel is saved to serve. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. That's what God's after, the salvation of all creation. And God goes to all the trouble with Israel in order for Israel to become an instrument for bringing God's way to the world. It is too light a thing for Israel to be saved for their own sake. They were saved to serve the world. When Israel remembered the reason for their redemption, they were used to bring God's justice and mercy and peace to the world. When they forgot why they were chosen, they turned in on themselves and used their special relationship to God as a license for unfaithfulness. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could just leave it there about how bad Israel was? Well, the text isn't just about Israel. Israel struggled to be God's people. You know better than that. We make the same mistake Israel kept on making. When we think we're saved in order to go to heaven when we die, instead of being saved to bring heaven right here where we live. Too often the blessing has stopped with us. We've forgotten that we've been blessed to be a blessing. Our salvation is too light a thing for God to have done. We're not being saved for our own sake, but for the sake of others. We are being saved to serve. No wonder we become stagnant in the faith. We, we take in grace and love, forgiveness, strength, help, healing, but we don't pass it on. Like a body of water with no outlet, we become a dead sea of lifeless 
Dissolution. If you've received from God, and I've gone over this with Julian and the choir, let it go. Let it go. You forgot that part. Okay. No fans of Disney and Frozen here today. Well, let it flow, folks. Let it go. If you've received grace, give grace to someone else. If you have been loved, love. If you've been helped, help. If you've been forgiven, forgive. If you have experienced good news, be good news to others. If you've been encouraged, encourage. If you've been comforted, comfort. Think of it this way. The good that comes your way is not just for your own good. It's, in the, it's the raw material out of which you construct good for others. And for those who have received much, much is required. And conversely, when the bad comes your way, it's not because God is out to get you, but comes your way to be overcome. For in overcoming, you're given a gift to share with others as a part of God's saving grace. Since you've made it through, you can assure them that they can too. Why does God go to all the trouble to whip me into shape? Why can't God just let me go and be plain old sorry me? Why can't God just let me go? Why has God hung on to me when I fought so hard, kicking and screaming and clawing my way to self-destruction? Why? For my sake, it's too light a thing. No, it was for the sake of others. It was for the sake of some subatomic particle of redemption of the entire creation. And perhaps when the instrument of salvation is as faulty as I am, all the more glory goes to God and God alone. Why does God go through all the trouble to save you? Is it so you can be happy here and now and blissful for eternity? No, that's too light a thing. You have been saved on purpose, God's purpose. You've been chosen on purpose, God's purpose. We have all been saved to serve the cosmic purpose of God. Northminster here has been saved for God's purpose. And I know the choir will never refuse to sing because that's their purpose. And the purpose is for us to proclaim what God has done. Think of so many times when this church could have gone under, could have died from atrophy or apathy. So few have given so much for so long to save this church from being shut down and shuttered up. So often external opposition and internal conflicts have threatened the existence of Northminster, yet we have been, have always been saved from others and ourselves. We are still here. And now we have a, a new pastor soon to arrive, not a minute too soon to arrive. A new chapter in the life of Northminster begins. Why has God gone through all this trouble to keep our doors open? This church being saved to serve God's particular purpose? That purpose is not to create a comfortable place where we can see the people we want to see and be seen by the same. Or play the music we want to hear the way we want to hear it or say the words we want to hear that make us feel that we're just a little better than others or conduct worship in precisely the way God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and all the saints would do it. No, we're not being saved to create a, a cozy, comfortable haven for the likes of us. We've been placed here in Isaiah's words as a light to the nation. We've been placed here in this community and region as a light to dispel the darkness of ignorance, narrow-mindedness, hypocrisy, oppression, exploitation, guilt, fear, hatred, prejudice, injustice, intolerance, and violence. 
What a strange location for an all-inclusive, all-embracing, all-accepting church. Smack dab in the middle of the Bible Belt in Monroe, Louisiana. Can you imagine? Well, God did imagine. And we are that crazy conglomeration of a congregation that's the result of God's imagination. To stand up for those who have no one else to stand up for them. To stand up to those who have no one else to stand up to them. To be the voice of those long silenced. Folks, we have good news to share. Such a positive message of openness, advocacy, grace, and hope. We have the words people are dying to hear from the church. And so many have never heard from the church and are longing to hear from the church. But will we share it? Or will we keep the good news to ourselves? Because we're afraid of being thought of as too pushy, too aggressive, if we do. Will we shine the light or hoard it as our own personal possession? Is too light a thing for us to spend ourselves on ourselves? to see our temporal and eternal well-being as God's ultimate purpose, to light a thing to see our salvation as the end of faith. It is only the beginning, the beginning of what God has, is, and will do through us. The salvation of all creation starts here. But God, help us. If here is where it ends. Amen.
we pass on to you what we have received. Here before you are symbols of what we have received. The loaf of bread. We have received it because in this bread broken see the brokenness of God's love broken that we may be made whole. And this cup of God's loving kindness filled poured out as his life was poured out. For all. You see, we have received these gifts. Will they end with us? Or will we share that gift with others? Let us pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 